What's up? This is Ty Lawson, and you're listening to Colorado Sports Guys Podcast. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Simmons and Ross Martin. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. I am Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons is here. Heidi ho, Ross Martin. What's up, Nate Timmons? Not too much. Everybody on the interwebs, hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday night. And we have a lot to discuss tonight. Lots and lots to do. Namely, this is a very special episode. We have uh, upcoming here, very shortly, a Nuggets and NBA roundtable of sorts with Travis Heath, Matt Moore, and Benjamin Hockman. And uh, a lot of these names here, or all of them, are people that most uh, NBA Nuggets fans are very, very familiar with because Travis Heath is the co-host of the uh, Renoa Tall Show with Reno Nataro from 6 to 8 p.m. on uh, Monday through Friday on uh, 93.7 FM, Mile High Sports. Is that right? Indeed, yes. And uh, Matt Moore, of course, uh, has been on the show before. Uh, from CBSSports.com, great, great basketball writer. And uh, Benjamin Hockman, who has been on the show twice before, and uh, he's with the Denver Post, the beat writer, and they all do a great job. And here coming up, we're going to hear you, Nate Timmons, and uh, these three smart dudes talking nuggets. Indeed. Uh, ben even mentioned, I think, before, before we started recording about uh, how we did the episode with the baseball walk-up songs. He was a big fan of that. That was a great episode. That was a lot of fun. That was fun. We did that one with Nate Kreckman from ESPN Radio, right? Yeah, the four of us. That was a fun one. 20 songs? Yeah. 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 Well, I dig <laughs> that. That was awesome. And uh, we're also going to uh, kind of uh, preview the Broncos game a little bit, and we're going to recap uh, last week's Gamblers on the Storm, where Nate and I each week go head-to-head and pick, not with the spread, but just pick the winners um, of, of the NFL weekend. And uh, I'm feeling good. I think uh, I might have a chance this week, even though I haven't won one yet. Yeah. <laughs> is, this, is, this, is this a carryover, right? A lot Again? of reason to hope for you. Oh, no, it's not a carryover. It's not. You won last week, so Indeed. it's just me. Okay, so we got all that to do, but before we get into that, we want to remind everybody to check out coloradosportsguys.com for links to our Facebook, Twitter, and our Amazon.com affiliate link. If you go to coloradosportsguys.com and click through the Amazon banner at the top of the page, each time you do your normal shopping, you will be supporting this podcast. And if you'd like to contact us, the Colorado Sports Guys, you can email us, show at coloradosportsguys.com, or use our phone number, 720-722-1274, to leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. We will play those voicemails and read those text messages on the show if we feel like it. If we feel like it. So what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing quite well. I've been... Uh... Like I said earlier, you mentioned you might have a cold or something. I've been dealing with a runny nose. It's very annoying. Oh. I bought one of those sweet neti pots or whatever they are. Ooh, the, the salt water. Been doing the sinus drainings, so that's always fun. Have you mastered it? No. I, I have really bad – I had sinus surgery when I was a kid, and I've, I've always – I grew up with, like, stuffed sinuses, so I used to have to do this, uh, like, cleaning and whatnot, so I've always been very – 
bad about blowing my nose and stuff when I was a kid, so it makes me kind of sick. Did like, you get the squeeze bottle one, or did you get the actual pot where it's like it pot. looks like a oh man, like you got to get teapot. You got to get the squeeze one, man. What are you doing? This no thing, way, this, this thing's this awesome. Like we're not. It's not the depression. Uh, if it was, you this thing works perfect. Squeeze bottle. No way. It's invigorating. Uh, I don't know. I like this thing. It just kind of like I don't know. Blows all your mucus out one side. It's like, oh, nice. It's really and you gross. Can, and you can breathe. It's like sweet. It goes up one nostril <laughs> and out the other. Yeah, it just kind of pushes it out like oh, a fire hose. It's crazy. But I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. Well, surprise, uh, surprise. A nerdy blogger has sinus problems. Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, it's kind of been uh, a little fun deal. Uh, we did a cool thing today on, on denverstiffs.com. We did a Google Plus hangout with Andre Iguodala. There was uh, – Five of us total, including Andre, and we just got to fire some questions off at him. This was cool because uh, Colin Daniels, uh, our friend over at the South Stands Denver uh, fan cast, uh, was kind of moderating this roundtable. Uh, it wasn't like a roundtable. It was like a question and answer period with the bloggers, you and uh, Charlie Yao and, and a couple other guys. And uh, Charlie, he he was on our podcast, wasn't he? Once, uh, we had, uh, yeah, we had Charlie and Kalen from Round Ball Mining Company. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that was cool. I thought that was awesome. I tuned into that a little bit when I was at the office today. I thought that was cool. Like just sitting there having you know you four and, and Andre Gudaglis, you know, just kind of asking them questions. There was some interesting stuff on there. Yeah, I recommend checking that out. And I believe uh, people who missed the live version can find that. Uh, probably at Denver Stiffs, right? Yeah, it's on Denver Stiffs as well. Uh, you can find that and check out my little burger antics I pulled with yeah. Andre Iguodala. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was great. <laughs> that burger did look good. It was good. It's it no was, Roscoe burger, but I'm sure. But I'm sure it was good. It was good, but the the hard part was, you know, I used it kind of as a prop at the beginning, and then it was sitting there for 40 minutes. And I'm just staring <laughs> at it like, God, can I just eat this thing? I had to, had to, you know, hit it up in the microwave for a cool 10 second burner after I was done. <laughs> just eating a cold burger. Hey yeah. man, it's all for uh, show business, right? Show business, baby. <laughs> show business, man. <laughs> I figured I had to come in with something a little bit different, and uh, you know, I, I've, I caught him on YouTube talking about how he has a a personal chef and he loves burgers and he really likes five guys burgers. So there's five guys all around Colorado. So I'm hoping, hoping he, uh, he did point out that it was a five guys burger ad. So delicious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is five uh, guys burgers paying us to talk about this? I don't know. They should be. Oh, I should go down there. And- so you don't know if they are? Cause I'm pretty sure they're not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure. I would not. know if the they guy were. at the counter had no clue who I was. I <laughs> threw my name around. He was like, who, what? No, get out. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Denver Stiffs. Nerd blogger, extreme, <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> but you know who is paying us is Amazon. So if you guys shop at Amazon, go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we got that, um, and we're going to bring that to you very quickly, and, and that's uh, about an hour long, so we're, our uh, little uh, interaction here will be brief. But I did want to uh, just – got to take a minute to talk a little bit about the upcoming Bronco game against the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. That game is at home, and uh, this represents a really – important week for the Broncos, not like as important as the Chargers game was, right? I mean, as far as like conference, uh, you know, and divisional standings or anything like that, but it still represents an opportunity for the Broncos to come out and build upon what they had had, uh, done in the second half against the Chargers. And I'm pretty excited about this game. This is, is this a Sunday night football game? 
Uh, I believe it is. So, again, the Broncos playing in prime time. This is twice the season that they've played back-to-back prime time games, if I'm not mistaken. I think they played Sunday night one week uh, and then Monday night the next week. And then last time they played was against the Chargers, and that was a Monday night game, right? Am I, am I remembering this right? You're pretty close. Chargers yes. was the last game they played. That was Monday. Right, because they played – yeah, exactly. So they played Pittsburgh – at home on Monday night to open the season, and then the following game was on the road on a Monday night. So Sunday night against Atlanta. Night. Yeah, so Sunday night, Monday night. Now it's Monday night and Sunday night. Of course, there was the bye week in between, but this is another opportunity for the Nug or for the Broncos to really come out and and uh, you know kind of solidify what all the Bronco fans are hoping. What I'm hoping that this team is for real. That Peyton Manning has taken control of this team. That the players around him are rising up to the challenge of not just playing against other good teams, but also the challenge of just the fa- of of playing alongside and on the same team as Peyton Manning. And uh, I am obviously excited for this game as anybody. Any Bronco fan out there, even if you're just a casual fan of the NFL or, or maybe you're a big-time fan of the NFL but you're not specifically a fan of the Saints or the Broncos, you've got to be excited about this matchup, especially here in Denver. I'm, I'm pumped. And, and uh, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be um, – you know, I, I mean, all right, so I'm not going to ask you if you think the Broncos are going to win. Yeah. Because clearly the Broncos are going to win. But Drew Brees finally had a good game. Right. Well, he's been putting them together. I mean, he he's only thrown for under 300 yards once this season. But I mean, last he, he threw for 446 yards against the Packers. So, I mean, their offense is starting to click. Uh, two weeks ago against the Chargers, he threw for 370. They won that game as their first win of the season. They're on a two-game win streak. Uh, they just beat Tampa Bay in pretty dramatic fashion, 35-28 last weekend. Breeze put up outstanding numbers once again. So he's going to test the Broncos' secondary. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, Chris Harris. Uh, Tony Carter, are these guys going to start being more part of the defense, or if is Tracy Porter going to come back in uh, off injury and reestablish himself? Broncos secondary is going to be tested. The Saints are starting to, you know, show some signs of life. So it's not a down team anymore. It's going to be another high-powered matchup against another high-powered quarterback. Absolutely, and the Broncos should be rested. Some some uh, you know nagging little injuries should have maybe healed up over this this bye week. And I don't think Drew Brees has been back to Denver since he played for the Chargers. Uh, I believe the Broncos have been down to New Orleans, uh, at least in the regular season, if I'm recalling correctly. So that's going to be interesting because this is a place that Drew Brees has played a few games. And, well, you know, Also the place that almost ended his career when, when the Broncos were the team that busted up his shoulder and when he tore his labrum. That's right. And so Demmer could have signed him out, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's going to be having a little chip on his shoulder, I think. So uh, no, nobody has more motivation in this game than, uh, than Drew Brees. But, hey, man, it's Peyton Manning. We saw what he did uh, you know, against the Chargers, and we're not going to you know, go through that again. But everything changed in that second half against the Chargers. Everything changed. Everything, well, you hope everything changed. Well, everything just you know, seems to six turnovers. fall into place. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And you know, again, uh, you know, maybe the maybe people think that Philip Rivers was the reason why the Broncos won. I don't think that. I think the Broncos came out and they took that game back. They stole it away, and 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 they caused those turnovers, and they applied a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And 
I don't know if Drew Brees is uh, – I mean, I think he's a much better quarterback than Phillip Rivers. As I've said many, many times before, Phillip Rivers should not be considered a good quarterback. Probably isn't – shouldn't even be starting in the NFL. So, But Drew Brees certainly has proved that he is a, a, a powerhouse at that position. So I'm excited. I, I can't wait. Are you, check, are you, you're not going to be going to the game, are you? Uh, no, I won't, I won't be going to the game. But check out this, uh, this lineup of quarterbacks. So far, the Broncos' defense has faced Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Matt Schwab, Carson Palmer. You always say Schwab. It's Schaub, isn't it? I don't know. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> Matt Schaub, Carson Palmer, uh, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, and now they have Drew Brees coming up. Following week, they have Andy Dalton, who's been good. the redheaded yogurt slinger. Yeah, and then they don't really get your break. You got you know Cam Newton, and then Rivers again. Finally, November twenty fifth against Kansas City, you might get a bad quarterback in either Matt Castle or Brady Quinn. Yeah, but I that's mean, crazy. When you look at the teams coming up, I mean, it's pretty well observed that the toughest part of the Broncos' schedule is past. It's over. I mean. Uh, you know, when you look at the Chargers game on the road, you look at New England. Uh, Oakland is always a hard game. Houston, people are saying that was you know one of the, it's one of the best teams in the NFL. I'm still not convinced. Um, Atlanta, of course, great. Pittsburgh didn't turn out to be a great team like everybody thought, but they're still you know they're still they're not the worst team. I mean, yeah. they're certainly not the Raiders, right? I mean, so. What I'm saying is that when you look at what's coming up, New Orleans, Cincinnati, Carolina, right, those three games, Cincinnati is better than we all thought they would be at the beginning of the season. New Orleans has a bad record, but they're a good team still. They still seem pretty good. They seem dangerous. And they got some defenders back from the suspensions. Jonathan Vilma, I believe, played last week for them. But, yeah, New Orleans, Cincinnati, Carolina, San Diego, those are all tough games. You get Kansas City, Probably should be an easy game, and you have Tampa. I mean, yeah, the schedule gets a little bit easier, but not really. But it's kind of fun. You're having these big games every week, and it's it's enjoyable. It's better than seeing, I don't know. I, we we was hearing people the other week saying, "Did you want to see the Broncos win that game against the Chargers in that dramatic fashion, or would you rather have like a blowout?" Were we talking about that on here? Is that us? <laughs> that was us. Yeah, was and us. I said blowout. Jeff Jeff Morton agreed. Yeah, I like. I, I don't know. I like the the closer games. I like the you know the back and forth a little bit, as long as it's. You know, still a good game. Like I can appreciate a you know thirty five twenty four contest over you know seven to three. I don't want to see that. Oh right, like that Monday night bull garbage we last night. Yeah, the Lions and the Bears. Yeah, I didn't even watch that. that was well, terrible. I didn't either. Uh, that's only because I don't have cable. Yeah, uh, which yeah. you know I may I or know, may I not I may or may not have mentioned before. <laughs> yeah, but I did watch some baseball last night. Did and you I, really? I didn't plan on talking about this. Wow, yeah. But it was just so funny sitting there and just watching all watching the ex-Rockies. All these guys <laughs> that were on the Rockies <laughs> deep into the playoffs. Uh, Scudero, okay, National League MVP or MV, not at National League MVP, but MVP of the NLCS. Na- NLCS. Uh, where, where, where did that guy come from? I mean, he was not playing like that when he was with the Rockies. No, and that's part of the reason why they traded him is – you know, maybe they could get a little value for him, but they traded a little bit to get him as well from Boston. So I don't know. They kind of bought high and sold low on him, it seems like. And then he comes out and, you know, not that the Rockies were going to get in the playoffs, but he has 14 hits in the NLCS. You know, he's like 14 Incredible. of 28 or something like that. It's crazy. And I just kept having these flash forwards of Tulewitzki 
playing in the NLCS for the <laughs> <Yeah>. Giants. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah. oh, it's going to happen. He's going somewhere. I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> Not this year maybe, but eventually Tulowitzki's going somewhere and he's going to win a World Series with <laughs> yeah. a different team. That's just kind of the M.O. <laughs> like you look at the past probably five or six World Series teams and there's at least one or two Rockies on each of them, right? Is, that, is that even a – should I double-check that stat? No, no need. No yeah, need. I think that's right. <laughs> no need. But uh, anyway, that was interesting. I loved that crazy downpour at the end of the game. You know what happened? It was very funny. As I'm watching this game, and I think it was 7 to nothing Giants. And then I left the room, and I came back in, and it was pouring rain. And all of a sudden, I see the score is uh, like 14 to 8 Giants over the Cardinals. And I was like, what What the hell happened? My, my The Colorado sports <laughs> wife had to point out. That they were showing a graphic of the hits in the game, oh my God. <laughs> like, and I didn't notice that. Okay. I was like, "Oh my God! I just missed the craziest rally ever!" Yeah, yeah. You know, like <laughs> b- both sides. But anyway, it was uh, it was a boring seventh, seventh game. I, I was I am not a Cardinals fan, but I'm certainly not a Giants fan. I, I hate the Giants. Um, just you know, as, as, as a Rockies fan, I hate them. I, I did not want them to to win. I didn't want them to go to the World Series. I do not want to see the Giants win another World Series. So I'm going to be rooting for the Tigers. I don't have the same hatred for the Giants that I do for, like, the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders. No, I don't either. Like, there's so much more of a rivalry there, it feels like. And then with the Cardinals, I can't stand the Cardinals. It's one of those teams where when they play in Colorado, all their fans are here. They're annoying. They think that, you know, they know everything about we're the best, truest fans. Yeah, that is. We know when to stand and sit. Best baseball fans in the major leagues is the Cardinals fans. They're so respectful. They're just so, you know, you go to a game out there. respect the games. You know, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, shut up. And I'm following. In this this uh, battle between my friends on Twitter, I have like three or four friends that are somehow Cardinals fans. I guess they're from that area, whatever. And then I have a buddy, uh, you like know, Hawkman. He's from a Cardinals fan, isn't he? Yeah, he's from St. Louis. I, I feel a little bad for Ben. He he's he was going after the podcast on Friday to watch Game Six, which they ended up losing. Oh. But uh, you know, I'm watching this on Facebook, and I'm thinking, which group of my friends do I like want to root against more? Was kind of how because I didn't watch any of the actual games. I just kind of was watching on Facebook and watching the misery of people I know, and I kind of decided that it was fun to see my Cardinals friends fans miserable. So that's, <laughs> I was like, yeah, Giants, whatever, you know. Plus, I don't like Matt Holiday at all. So now I saw I, I've seen a lot of hatred towards Matt Holiday. I don't get it. I don't get why people don't like Matt Holiday. Well, I don't. I mean, okay. I, I don't Rockies, get why Rockies fans don't like Matt Holiday. I believe it's because a franchise offered him upwards of 120 million dollars, and he told him to pound sand, and then demanded a trade out of town. Did he make the right decision? <laughs> well, how many World Series did he win after he left here? One, well, at yeah. least. <laughs> so, good decision by him. Rockies made out like bandits in that trade, though. I mean, getting yeah, they did. Getting Carlos Whoa. Gonzalez, yeah, like bandits. Yeah, I mean, I just <laughs> uh, you remember good. just like a couple, like a month ago, how the Rockies finished their worst season in franchise history? Yeah, but as far as trades go, I mean, Cargo was around for the, you know, some. I don't know. He's he was okay. There's no. We didn't make out like bandits. Matt <laughs> yeah, Holiday yeah. made the right choice for his. What well, was life. better than the damn Ubaldo he... Jimenez trade where we got nothing? <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's so funny we can sit here and just be like, well, the Rockies keep making horrible decisions and bad things happen, and then we try and blame Matt Holiday for it. It's like at least that guy was smart enough to get to out. Get out. <laughs> yeah. He's wait. not. He's not on a you know road to 100 or whatever. So I so. respect that, and uh, you know at least he tried to uh, take out. Uh, Scudero's knees at second base. So. <laughs> and then he flied out to end it, right, to Scudero? 
whatever. Uh, was that holiday? <clears throat> yeah, I think it was. I think so. Oh man, crazy! That downpour was insane in that game. It was, a, it was a lot of rain. Ooh, that was crazy. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we'll leave that at that. Um, uh, w- one thing I want to mention before uh, we get into this interview is okay. So Travis Heath. Okay, I mentioned the top Renault Alls show. Okay, this is a, a daily show locally from six to eight p.m. Renault Nata- Nataro. I remember when that guy was doing like uh, morning just news on the fan. Yeah, and I had a boss at the time, and and we were driving to an appointment or something, and it was like this was Renault Nataro for the fifteen minute sports update, <laughs> and my boss was just like, God, I hate that guy. Reno Notaro is like the worst name ever. Just stop saying Reno Notaro. But anyway, the guy's pretty funny and he's pretty good. And of course, Travis Heath is his co-host there. So and they touch um, on like everything. I mean, they're not just a basketball. I mean, they they were talking cycling last week when I tuned into their show. I mean, they they cover the gamut of sports. Absolutely, great, great show. In and in, in an era that I would say, I would say radio in general is dying a slow death. There's also a lot of up and coming talent in Denver, but there is talk radio is thriving more. It's bigger than it ever has been specifically sports talk radio, where I think you find the most truth in any type of that presentation and they do a good job. And then Matt Moore, CBS sports.com. Well, Travis also writes for uh, HoopsWorld.com. Oh, that's right. HoopsWorld.com and, and USA uh, today. Yeah. He writes yes. a weekly NBA pundit column. Yes. And then Matt Moore, of course, CBS sports.com. Been in the palatial studios before. Yeah. Benjamin Hockman, Denver Post, beat writer for the Nuggets. This guy, these guys are all plugged in. Like, uh, you know, and and then you, Nate Timmons. Yeah. Also plugged in here. I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing yet, but, you know, I got a chance to listen to 10 to 15 minutes. This is awesome. This is exactly what Nuggets fans or, or, or just sports fans in general should be hearing. And, and and we're bringing it to you on the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Basically, we go over everything. Offense, defense, individual players, trade scenarios, who's going to be the NBA champ, who's going to the playoffs. I mean, anything you want to know about the Nuggets, you're about to hear it. And we're going to do that unless you got anything else to add. I'm good, man. We'll do that right now. Welcome to the Cardinal Sports Guys podcast. We got a special event today. We're live at Jake's Food and Spirits, recording this on a Friday. We probably won't air it till Tuesday. Cardinal Sports Guys episode number seventy. Joined today by a special group of individuals. We got Matt Moore, NBA blogger for CBSSports.com. Travis Heath, co-host of the Rain Know It All Show on Mile High Sports Radio from six to eight p.m. Monday through Friday. He also does some work for HoopsWorld.com and USA Today. And, of course, Benjamin Hockman, the Nuggets beat writer from the Denver Post. Everybody knows him. What's guys, up, Nate? welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, Shots. guys. Hey, there you go. Matt? Podcast. How are you doing? I just want to say I have the best hair at this table. It's Arguably. Not it's not close. I'm in the top four. <laughs> I am at the bottom. I will go ahead and just put that out there right now. <laughs> Matt. So we'll go around real quick here and just kind of give us, uh, Ben, everybody knows you. You've been on the podcast before, the uh, Denver Post writer. Travis, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of what you're doing now, and 
maybe how you got into this crazy world of NBA writing? Oh, well, that's a big question. Um, how I got into the crazy world of NBA writing, that was almost 10 years ago now, which makes me feel a little bit old. We were talking about that pre-show, how we're getting old, closer to 40. He says um, we're 32 years old, and Travis says that he and I are closer to 40. He says we're close to 40. Let me have my existential crisis, would you? Okay. Um, so, yeah, and I uh, was one of the original writers for HoopsWorld.com. And uh, back in that day, newspapers, you may not have heard of these uh, nowadays in 2012, but there was this thing called newspapers <laughs> that my friend Benjamin used to write for. And I was one of the first kind of weird web guys that got in there. I think it was 2004 or so. Uh, and then I wrote for, gosh, five or six years, uh, really kind of covered the Nuggets as Nuggets in the NBA at large. Spent some time in L.A., covered the Lakers and Clippers. Recently, I've worked as a consultant uh, in the NBA a bit, and now uh, doing a little bit of that and also a little bit of writing. So that's me. Awesome. And we've had, I mean, we've had people on our website you know, talking about, man, I wish Travis Heath was still around. And ah. the Nuggets didn't get as much coverage on Hoops World now. And so. No, that's flattering. Yeah, it's good to have you back. I didn't know your mom went to his website. Right. My, well, my mom's a regular visitor to denverstiffs.com, actually, yes. And she, she, has, three, she has three different handles she that's uses right. as well. Including yes. one being not Travis's mom. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Matt Moore, of course, you've been on the show before as well. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm uh, excited for the season to start. A lot of things to be busy. I'm pissed off that people get keep getting hurt, which screws with my day. Dirk Nowitzki having surgery today yeah. totally screwed my day up. And, of course, your uh, recent Andre Iguodala piece caused a little fire in Philadelphia. God, you try and write. I just wanted <laughs> to do a thing on, like, oh, Andre Iguodala is, like, underrated. And instead, like, I set Philadelphia on fire, and they're now going to throw things at him when he comes back. <laughs> Good start. Well done. Well done, indeed. All right, so we're here to talk about the Denver Nuggets, the season getting ready to begin on October 31st in Philadelphia. I want to ask you guys, during these preseason games, we've been hearing these announcers talk about this dribble drive offense for the Nuggets. We've been seeing, seeing more turnovers. Asked George Carl about those today, and he said it's perhaps due to his rotations of not really you know, getting things set in motion so far. But with this dribble drive offense, what do you guys see? Is it going to be different than anything we've seen in the past? I know they already have incorporated it the last season. So is anything going to be different? And how do you see this offense going for the Nuggets? Well, from my vantage point, I, I would say that Ty Lawson is vital to, to this offense, and George actually wants him to be more aggressive. It's funny to listen to George Carl. Even after wins, when, when Lawson will have double-digit assists, he'll still say, I need more aggressiveness from the little guy. And basically, he's the motor of the team, whether it's in transition or in the half-court set. And as he goes, the Nuggets will go. Yeah, I don't think it's anything different, to answer your question. I think uh, it, it's more the same, and I think it fits their personnel very nicely. And they brought the guy in, my man from Pepperdine now, uh, who's an assistant coach. And, Vance and, Wahlberg. Uh, Vance Wahlberg, who's seen as sort of the father of this, I guess. But, um, no, I don't think it's anything different. Uh, and, and also, and we can get into this later in the podcast, but I'm not sure Ty Lawson is ever going to be as aggressive as George Carl wants him to be. Um, and, and I think so. I think this is going to be a constant battle you see throughout the season. Uh, Andre Miller is also a very good fit at point guard coming off the bench. And, and, of course, George likes playing those two guys together. So they have the point guards that allow them to do this. They have the wings that do. They have very athletic bigs. Um, so I think everything lines up to play this style of ball. Now, if they could just get a couple of three-point shooters, they'd be in business. <laughs> well, see, and where I get to with it is it makes a lot of sense from the personnel standpoint. It's going to be more of what they've already done, which is you know they led the league last year in in shots in the fewest shots in the mid range area. So they shoot a ton at the rim and they shoot a three point area, and that's great because we all know that like that's the most efficient place to get your points. And they, they create a lot of free throws as well by doing that. Now they got to get better at free throw shooting; they've yeah. been abysmal as of late. 
part of it with me though, I, I keep looking. You, you talked about the three the three point shooting. Lawson is going to be their best perimeter threat. Like he's just going to be. Gallo's going to be in and out. I think Hamilton is going to struggle because of he's going to have to get minutes defensively, and there's just so many guys. Right. Brewer we know has got problems with shooting. Andre Iguodala has got to run point forward in this offense, and I've asked Carl about it like four times, and he won't answer me on it, which is okay because it's preseason, but I'm still just like, <laughs> Andre Iguodala has got to be an initiator in this offense, and we saw it in the preseason game the other night when he started doing that in the beginning of the game, yeah. racked up like five assists in I think ten minutes. That's got to be part of this offense. Yeah, yeah and there, is, there are a lot of people worried about the three-point shooting. I kind of looked at the averages of Flalo taking last season out of it was averaging about 106 makes al harrington about 139 so they're having to replace about 245 three-pointers but He's, anthony randolph is here so everything's gonna be fine <laughs> do, you, do you guys see anybody really stepping up this year from beyond the arc is it gonna be like matt said ty lawson hamilton i'd say i mean super mascot rocky's three three-pointers from half court his percentage Actually went down last year, but I feel he's been working on it in the off in the off season. Uh, he has hired a shooting coach, so I feel that super mascot Rocky, especially the, the underhand reverse, is I mean it's just solid. Right. You can just tell that even if the numbers don't show off early, I think right. his form on that is so good that the numbers are going to come around. I'm with you, Matt. Yeah, he struggled at the uh, the gateway scrimmage though. Did he? I think it was the the low ceiling in the hey. high school gym. <laughs> hey, hey, it's preseason for Rocky too. That's okay. True. It's an emotional I environment. Let him get you know, you get <laughs> no, I mean for me, I think Hamilton. That that that's where I get to. Is like sure. Hamilton's got to be the guy that that. Has to to really because he's probably the best. I would say probably outside of Lawson, the best shooter on that team right now. And I, I would just say because of the minutes he'll play, Gallinari, and this isn't I'm not breaking ground here, but Gallinari must shoot better than 32 percent from the three point line because he's going to be in the game more. He's going to get more attempts. How good do you think he's got to be? I would say 36 and a half. And that's doable. I mean. I, the one thing about Gallinari is he's never been a great outside shooter, uh, and that's what he was billed as when he came here. Now, I like Gallinari a lot. He's, he has much better ball skills than I thought he had. He really attacks the rim, gets to the free throw line, and defends, but he's not a great three-point shooter. Hamilton has the potential to do that, but here's the problem. Uh, for shooters, they need to get a lather. They need to play you know, four, six, eight-minute stretches. I'm yeah. not sure that's going to happen because Corey Brewer is not a good shooter, but he can do more things. Right. And, and I've seen George coach long enough that I know that you're going to see that look of consternation on George's face and frustration as, as, as we keep asking him about this as the season goes along as to why he's playing Brewer instead of Hamilton. I think this is going to frustrate fans that Hamilton isn't getting enough minutes, but I can see George's perspective on it also. One other thing on Lawson. Um, he is a good three-point shooter, but he shoots almost a set shot from yeah. three, which means he has a lot of trouble getting that off when someone's in his face. So in transition, when he has, has some space, he's pretty good. Um, but I don't think, of course, Ty Lawson blew up against the Timberwolves and hit nine threes a couple of years ago. So he has that ability, but I don't think he can get that shot off as regularly as you'd like him to. But that's, to me, I think that's where Iguodala comes in. Because, if, you know, the dribble drive offense, if, sure. if Iguodala's getting around his man, forcing the guy inside and kick it out, and then you got lost and open in the corner, you've got a high-percentage shooter yep. and a high-percentage spot. Even with a, with a set shot, you know, he's got a quick enough release, he'll be able to probably get it up at least with that much space. You know, and that's part of it, I think, is, you know, they've got to hit threes, but that's part of the dribble drive offense, right, is that they've got to be able to make that defense. Otherwise, that defense is just going to collapse in right. and collapse in and, and be like, if you're going to beat us with threes, you beat us with threes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Iguodala will be able to create for some of that because part of the big problem, and from what I'm seeing early on, there is no post offense at all. They have nobody they can go to in the high post, low post. There is nobody outside maybe Andre Miller that they can really turn to and be he's, like. He's their best in. post player, Andre which, Miller. Yeah, which, scoring which, from the which post. is not really yes. not an insult because yeah, yeah. he's he's great at it, right? Yep. But we're actually there's a, a thread today that the True Network guys were talking about how uh, he's got the best ass of all guards in terms of <laughs> of, of being able to <laughs> yeah, create points. Use it. But uh, that's going to be a big problem for them. And, and again, 
know, we get back to Gallo. I mean, that's another thing that I think he's probably needs to work on a little bit is if he's got a smaller guy defending him, he's got to take him low. Right. You, you talked about the rotation issues. To me, I, I think that's why part of the reason that Carl started talking so much about playing Gallo at the four, mm-hmm. and he's had Iguodala playing, at least in terms of switches playing at the four, is making room with those two guys to play bigger so they can bring, you know, they can use Brewer, they can use Hamilton, they can right. use Fournier, they can use these other guys to, to deploy that platoon of forwards that they have. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing with me is I wonder, you know, I know he's so huge on Andre, Andre Miller, and he loved that two-point guard lineup last yeah. year. But I'm almost wondering if they're going to have to go back to more traditional rotation with Lawson and then shifting to Miller just because he's got to get time for all those forwards because of what they do because you've got to balance the offense and the defense with Brewer right. and Hamilton. Right, but And the issue with that is once you start playing real teams that have bigs like the Lakers, you can't play Gallinari at the four. And so I think it's a gimmick yeah, but, that works in the regular season, but I think in the postseason – that that's that's where problems will surface with that. But outside, I mean, we, we I mean, we look at the league overall, and there's a huge shift towards small ball, right? I sure. mean, the, the like, I mean, the, the Heat, the Celtics, both those guys have basically said we're abandoning a traditional center. Mm. So when you look at, it, I mean, Gallo, even playing a team like the Timberwolves, you know, Gallo can probably handle himself against Kevin Love unless Love really asserts himself in the post, which is not something he he does a ton of the time. He likes to be able to get out and operate in the pick and pop, and those are areas where Gallo can at least survive, especially if he's got help from McGee or, or Farid or whoever inside. There's so many teams that are playing small ball rotations right now. Well, I'll tell you in regards to the minutes, and we say that the Nuggets don't really have a low post situation where they work it around the perimeter and then feed the low post guy like it's Matumbo or something like that. And then you've got these guys that are fighting for minutes, notably JaVale McGee. Everyone's expecting this huge season from JaVale McGee. But if he doesn't do the things that George wants him to, set the screens, hustle on defense, he, even, even a big money player like him is not going to make a big impact in regards to minutes, because he's not going to get the minutes, because George, George doesn't care about how much money he's, these guys make. It's all about having the right personnel on the floor. There was a prototypical, I think, McGee moment the other, the other night in the, in the uh, preseason game. They come down the floor, and McGee posts posts on, on the low right blo- on the low left block. Well, Lawson's on the outside. Lawson looks at him like, "All right, what are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. points him. And so McGee goes up and he sets an off-ball screen, and then rotates to the to the backs to the weak side, and he gets an alley oop and an M one. There it is. And it's like. <laughs> Okay, if you do the things that you're supposed to do, right. but I also, but it's one where I know McGee wants to work on that part of his game because totally. he's worked on it so much. The problem is, like in the second half, he tried it and he traveled once and then got an offensive foul. It's just the post game is not where it needs to be. And it's funny, we've done a, I don't know how long we've been doing this now, 10, 15 minutes, and we haven't even said the name Kenneth Fareed, yet he's such an important player for the Nuggets. But from an offensive standpoint, I'm, I worked on a piece for the Sunday Denver Post about him. I mean, I mean, as you guys know, I don't know how many of the listeners know, I mean, they don't run plays for Kenneth Fareed. Oh. I mean, his points come from when he, like you said, Matt, uh, off, off a pick, he, he gets open for an alley-oop, or these offensive rebounds, these tip-ins that he gets, or, of course, in transition. And it, it's just interesting that, I mean, you have a guy who they make such a big deal about, yet in that offense, I mean, he, he spent a lot of time working on his post moves and stuff. I mean, he's, he's got to look at each time he gets a chance with the ball in the low post as a precious, precious moment not to mess it up. Because if he messes it up, I mean, he's not, he's not going to get the ball again. Well, you had that quote from George, too, where he said the last thing he's concerned about is post play. Right. right. With the, in regards to the big guys. So what are the Nuggets going to do with these, you know, Messiah's assembled, three seven-footers. They have Kenneth Freed. What are they going to do with these guys? What's their role going to be? You look like you were about to say something, Matt. No, I wasn't, but I, I can go off it because I mean, to <laughs> no, me, it's, you, you seem you have that look of intelligence I, on your face. I always have a look of intelligence well, on my push face. It. So to me, it's it, it comes down to I haven't been impressed with Mozgov so far. I, I think that he came in with a high, with high expectations. Carl talked about starting him. 
practice, what we've seen, limited. I mean, that's, you know, five minutes, five, ten, fifteen minutes in practice. He hasn't looked good. Tina Fey. Uh, Kufos has absolutely, Kufos has absolutely just killed everybody, I think, with what he's brought to the, to the game. I think McGee, I think they're dedicated to him long term unless they decide to absolutely pull the plug and then they'll pull in a nay and, oh, he gave you the big extension and trade you. Right. But I think they're, they, I don't think they expect McGee to be there right now. Masai mentioned the other day that, you know, bigs in this league, and I've been harping on this for a while, they take a long time to develop right now. Like, you're seeing guys come into their own. Tyson Chandler's a great example, but it's a, yeah. a, a high-level outlier. You're seeing guys take, take till they're 26, 27 to really be able to come into their own. So they've got time with him. Uh, and the Nuggets are in trouble in the low post if JaVale McGee doesn't play. He doesn't have to play all the way up to his potential, which is enormous, but he has to start realizing some of it. Uh, Kufus, uh, no Kufus well. He rebounds the ball exceptionally well. If you give him enough, uh, enough minutes, he'll be double-digit rebounds. Very low skill level for position offensively. He's not a guy you can dump it to in the low block and expect him to get a lot of buckets. I mean, I think about five to seven points a game is about right for Kufus, depending on how many minutes he's playing. Uh, I'm not impl- impressed with Mozgov either. He's, um, you know, he's got good touch, but he's soft. He gets pushed off the spots. Uh, he's a guy who wants to be you know, more of a high-post guy, but he doesn't quite have the skill level to do that. Uh, and his size is incredible, so he's right. maddening. Who George starts is irrelevant. I mean, you all know this. You've watched George coach long enough. He always talks about guys that are going to finish games. So a lot of times Mozgov started last year and played 12 minutes, you know, when you looked at the final box. So fans get caught up in who starts. That doesn't matter. I think that's going to be a problem for them. I think they'll get by most of the year just fine. But when you start getting to playoff basketball where you are going to see some of these teams that have some good – I mean, you're talking about guys like Kendrick Perkins, Abaca on Oklahoma City. You're talking about Dwight Howard. You're talking about Pau Gasol on the Los Angeles Lakers. That's where I think you're going to start to see problems manifest. But for most of the year, I think those bigs will be serviceable. And if JaVale McGee can have a big year, then it becomes really interesting. Right. Yeah. Talking about Fareed, I think it's – for me, Fareed's kind of one of those where it's like – I asked, like, well, who's going to be there? You know, they have no stretch four. They have, and that's, again, we get back to Gallo and Iguodala playing bigger at those four spots. They don't have a guy that can do that. They don't have right. a big that can do that. Fareed's definitely not going to do that. And the other thing is defensively even, I don't think you can put Fareed on a stretch four and expect him to be able to cover. I don't think he's, he's fast enough laterally. I don't think that he's, he's going to be able to, to handle the spacing issues that come. It takes a lot of, of basketball awareness and high IQ to be able to handle that assignment. And that's going to be a big concern for them. When they, and there's a lot of good stretch fours in this league. When they play those guys, they're going to be in serious trouble, especially, you know, as, as Travis kind of alluded to, if, if, if Gallo and them can't handle the size, right. if, if they make those adjustments to play inside, they're going to be really in a tough spot. I mean, I think they've got the, the raw size to be able to handle, like, a lot of the centers. Like, you're not going to beat Dwight Howard. Nobody's going to handle Dwight Howard. He's Dwight Howard. And there's not a whole lot of guys. I mean, even Roy Hibbert is one where you can probably be like, okay, you know, Kufos, you know, Kufos, McGee, Mozgov can probably do a decent enough job to keep Hibbert under you know, 20 points, but then Hibbert's not really your threat there. You're worried about other things. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to you know, if they're going to be able to handle all of the different looks that are going to be thrown at them. Because they can throw a lot of looks at you at the one through three. The Nuggets can. But it's those four and five spots where it's like, okay, they can only do these certain things. Right. So defensively with this team, you know, we've seen for years with these guys, they kind of use that you know, create chaos on defense, try to get turnovers, lead to fast breaks, run, run, run. Is this kind of style defensively? Is this something that you know it hasn't worked in the playoffs for the Nuggets? Said for the you know 2009 Western Conference Finals run, is this style that they're using with the with the defense, which leads to this offense? Is this could it lead to a championship here? Not with the current personnel, it can't. I mean, I I don't have anything against the style. I think if you 
you know, it's about the players that you have. So if you have elite players, then yes, you could win a title playing this way. People say you don't, you don't win. Uh, running teams don't win, and it makes me wonder how long they've watched basketball because the <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers of the '80s are just one example of a team that won. And but the Lakers weren't great defensively, but they always were in the fourth quarter. Sure. And so I like what the Nuggets do defensively. I, I can it bring them a title? No, but. George has all of these guys uh, playing good defense. They play good team defense. Uh, they can funnel. Now they have a shot blocker when they got JaVale McGee. That's something they were mm-hmm. sorely lacking. I mean, Freak can block some shots, but they're more kind of chase down blocks from behind, that kind of thing. But McGee is an intense presence in there. So I like what they do defensively. I don't think that that has anything to do with them not winning in the playoffs. I just think it, it's more personnel. Well, I mean, it, I mean, if we're being abstract here, I mean, the glass half full, excuse me, glass half empty guy says, "What's the point?" Right. You, you look at the Lakers and you look at the Thunder and you say, "Does it matter if you're third or ninth? I mean, you want to make the playoffs with third or eighth? You could the glass half full, or, excuse me, half empty says, "Why are we even doing this? Why don't we just blow it up and start over?" But that, but but of course, the glass half full guy says, "We're right on the cusp." We took the Lakers to seven games last year. Anything could happen. If we have Iguodala, anything it's the way the ball bounces. Matt. Couple stops, couple buckets right. here and there. But I mean I mean it's just it's just very funny when you look at the Nuggets. I'm holding a glass in my hand right now, and half full <laughs> says they could they could maybe take the Lakers or Thunder deep, or the the same glass says just blow it up and, and hope you get an Anthony Davis. But I will say this though, if you're gonna try and beat a team with legitimate size that's gonna slow it down and run Princeton like LA that's gonna be methodical. You want to create havoc. That's yeah. There's a reason that the Grizzlies play the Lakers close nearly every year, mm-hmm. and it's because they create that havoc by getting into transition, by by getting into the passing lane and causing those problems. That's the best way to be able to combat those type of teams. Now, Oklahoma City is a whole different bag because you're talking about pure athleticism, right. Right. and that's where I think it's problematic. You know, I wondered. I asked Carl on, on, on media day and you know about it because this is a thing with me. Is you know he wants to do this this uh, the. Trying to stop field goal percentage is a more traditional approach. That's what the Celtics do. Is they want to force you into a bad, like a low percentage shot, and then they want to be able to hurt you. Like their focus isn't necessarily on causing havoc or or, def- or turnovers. They're more trying to like pull you into a twenty four second violation. Like that's their objective, right? Yep. And Chicago does the same thing based off of, of Tibbs' time in, in in Boston. So that's like a more established traditional way to do it. And the thing is, though, with the Nuggets, you can't do that because then you slow down. Like if if you want to run that high octane offense and use your athletes, you got to get up and down the floor. And we saw in the playoffs with with Oklahoma City and San Antonio. This is actually kind of a good example. Oklahoma City did a lot. Of, they were just good enough in those areas to be able to get past San Antonio. But when they tried to do the creating turnovers and getting up and down the floor, the Heat were able to beat them because the Heat are able to do both. They're able to create turnovers, and if you settle in, they can also force those those twenty four second violations. I, you know, I'm with you in terms of like it's not going to matter for the regular season. I do agree definitely that the biggest problem in terms of them winning a title, it's not going to be their defense because there's a lot of bad defensive teams in the West. Mm. It's going to be the Lakers and the Thunder are really, 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 really good. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, and even the example you brought up with the Heat, watching their offense – even up into the finals was miserable. Bad. It was horrible to watch, but they have the best player, the most skilled player in the game, LeBron James, and they have Dwayne Wade, one of the greatest one-on-one basketball players. So they take turns playing one and one, uh, one-on-one at times in the finals, and they still won it all because the talent level is superior. So and Shane Battier randomly got hot from three, which is bizarre. And Mike, right, Mike right. Miller had that big game. If yeah, I recall. yeah, absolutely. But but the, the role players stepped up at different times. But but the, the role the role players are ancillary. I mean, if you don't have the stars, it doesn't matter. And 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 that's where I think the problem is with this team. Like with, with Andre Iguodala, 
I like Andre. He's a solid player. He's a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. He's better than Aaron Aflalo. So the Nuggets got better. I'm not criticizing them for the trade, but he's not a piece that's going to come in and put them over the hump. I mean, I still think you're going to have to take – if, if you – Benjamin mentioned blowing it up. I don't think you blow it up. Oh, I didn't suggest but, that. I just brought it up. Right, right. But for I mean, the record. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, what you need to do is consolidate uh, talent. You know what I mean? So if you can take two or three – and, and you, it, right now it sounds preposterous. Like who, what are you going to take, Gallo, Iggy, and you're going to flip them into a great player? Well, all you need is that great, that right great player who still has time left on his contract, right? Mm, so he'd right. have to stay in Denver, and all of a sudden he gets uh, – he's disenchanted where he is, and the right trade opportunity presents itself. And then that's what I think takes the Nuggets to the next level. See, and that was my first thought when they made the trade for Iguodala. I was thinking – I was like, well, is this a championship team? I was like, well, clearly not. But then I was like, if you have Ty Lawson – and you have Andre Iguodala, and if you have a one and the three, if you get a legitimate low-post guy at the four or the five, mm. then you're talking. If you get a guy, and he's got to be good enough, and that's a problem because they've all randomly, not randomly, they've all gone to the coasts. To, they've all gone to about four teams. Right. But if you're able to get – I and mean, you never know when those guys are going to come available. Like, as, if you want – and this is pure conjecture, but I'm just saying – DeMarcus Cousins is going to blow up in Sacramento eventually. Like, we yeah, know yeah. that this is going to happen. Right, right, right. But if in two years you know, he Nuggets comes available, you know, Lawson, Iguodala, Cousins, all of a sudden you have scoring, defense, and you've got a foundation there. And if you right. can build around that, all you got to do, but, and that's a big thing. And, and that's what I've been so impressed with, with how this team has been built, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I mean, you talk to them, you know, both management and coaching have, have, they don't talk about championship this year. They're like, well, I think we'll be better. Right. I think we'll be good. I think we can be really good. But they've talked about, you know, down the line, like we're working to get there. They know that they need that other piece, and they've. And the cool thing is, they can win games, and they're in a position to do that. They can trade. They can package Gallo, Fareed, and either Kufos or McGee at any time, and, you're, and with a draft pick. And you're going to even even yep. counting the one they sent out. They're going to have. That's a huge package on the open market. Right. Think, think about how much better that package is than what you know Orlando got for Dwight right. Howard, for example. Yeah, and. You know, I, I think that's – we're looking at things optimistically, but, but to Masai and Josh's credit, they put themselves in this position now where this can be a reality. They have enough assets to do that. The problem is the right guy has to pop up and they have to – pull. so a lot of things have to fall into place. Um, but, but they put themselves in that position. This, though, is the hardest step to take. It's not that hard to be miserable – and in two or three years to make the playoffs. It's actually not that hard. You have to be sort of incompetent in the right. NBA to not do that in a period of time. The Nuggets now Three are trying to take to take another. <laughs> well, we could go down that road. Uh, the Nuggets are now trying to take that next step, where they're not just a first round team, but they're sort of you know second round, middle of the pack in the West. But by far the hardest step to take is that last one, where you're a right. true contender. Well, and, and so they're a position to do that, but the odds are all not just against the Nuggets. Their odds are always against a team doing that. Yeah, and, and let's be honest. And Nate here is is one of the biggest Nuggets fans in town. Heck, runs a Nuggets fans website, and you, so you can attest to this. Indeed. Since 2003, they made the playoffs every year. Only one time since 2000. Think back to where you were in 2003. Since only once in that since that year did they get to the second round of the playoffs. So realistically, if you're a Nuggets fan like Nate, if they get to the second round this year, that's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. So I know the, the main goal is a championship, of course, but if we're taking steps here and they're building this team, let's get to the second round and see what they can do. Well, and their reasonable ceiling is probably, you know, if you, look, if you look at like a reasonable ceiling and then a high end, everything goes right ceiling. Like a reasonable ceiling would be you push the second round opponent, either the Lakers or the Thunder, to seven games. And yeah. then like you're, I agree. I get, you're right there again, right? Yeah. Like you're, and then you, you look to add that other piece and you move forward. Totally. You know, 
the high, high, high end one is you somehow get a favorable matchup with a Thunder. It works out much better than it did a couple of years ago because of the per- personnel changes. Yeah. You slip past them in an upset, and upset, and then you probably you know you push the Lakers to five or six, and right. then you get destroyed. You know that, and then like the the low end <laughs> of it is is probably you know a first round exit and a tough four or five matchup with with the Clippers or Grizzlies. Right. You know, and so you're looking at, but anywhere in there, you're still looking at you know this is a playoff team without a super without a super duper duper star, and that's pretty good, especially when you consider the long term prospects. And considering we're talking about the Clippers, who they have two of the 15 best players in basketball, and it's possible that Denver could be better than the Clippers this year, and they it, have super duper star. It's possible, but man. I could see Denver falling into that bottom four really easily. I mean, San Antonio, the Clippers. There's a lot of teams that Dallas. are scary. We talked uh, about Dallas. Uh, Dallas is an interesting started. team. Yeah. I mean, I think Denver will be a better team than Dallas, especially now with Dirk having the knee surgery. They're going to start slow, whatever. But if Kamen can play up to his capabilities, Kamen is a very solid player. Darren Collison's an interesting player. O.J. Mayo can get you buckets. So, I, I mean, all it takes is a couple of injuries. But the flip side to that is – and, and you never – I'm not wishing for anyone to get hurt. I'm not saying I that. I don't know this. But, but, but a couple of injuries happen or or an upset happens in the first round, and then that's how I think the Nuggets get to the conference final. Pull a jazz in 2009. But then, but then yeah, are you – Derrick Rose get injured you know, in the playoffs yeah. last year. And, but then do you hang your hat on it? I mean, yeah. you do, but you don't. That, that can hurt right. you because then it makes you think that you're better than you are. Well right. said, yeah. yeah. You know, I think that, that part, of it, part of it you talk about with how you know, the West – you know they could very easily fall in that bottom four. That wouldn't. That doesn't have to be because Denver underachieved. That's because like I think there was a three game differential between the third seed and the seventh seed last year in the playoffs, and that's how it is almost every year in the Annually. West. You know, and with the and I've pegged the the, the Nuggets for fifty one uh, as their over under, which is kind of in line with what Vegas has said in general. You know, there's some statistical estimates that have them much higher, which is predictable based off of the models that they use. Vegas is a stripper he met the other night at Diamond Cabaret, by the way. It is a beautiful way. <laughs> Just kidding, wife. Um, but the other thing, though, is I, when you, we look at these, we always think about, like, oh, their roster and how they're going to match up and, and, and you know, what, how the team's going to come together and ignores the fact that this team's opening road schedule is a freaking nightmare. 14 out of 20, first yeah. 20 games, 14 on the if road. They, if, they get out of, if they make it to January 1st above 500, I'm going to be really impressed. Right. That's how bad that opening road schedule is. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good on the road last year. A little bit of a different, different ball. But that game, goes but year to year. You can't yeah. rely, like you can't look at this team and say like oh, they're going to be a good road team because there are certain players that are good on the road. It That's just the, happens. I hate writing that story. Like if the like and I and I do it. Like if the Nuggets start out zero for six on the road one year, I'll be like, all right, why is it that you're not good on the road? And and a lot of times it's because the opponent is really talented. But I mean, there's no way I'll to just like pre-write that story for you both both sides of it. I'll just yeah. pre-write it for but you. Would you guys <laughs> rather see these road games come at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year? They had I 14 mean, that are last 20 on the road. Is that probably – Everybody's going to play 41. Everybody's going to play 41 on yeah, the road, yeah. as Larry Bird always says. Right, right. Well, I think there's some wisdom in that. Um, I, I think for the Nuggets – well, let's juxtapose the Nuggets and the Lakers for a minute. Because let's I use think, words I think, we understand. I think the Lakers will <laughs> – I, we have very intelligent listeners at Denver Stiffs. How dare you? You're like how my dare editor. My, my, my editor got mad because I used the word codex in a headline. He was like, no one knows what a codex is. And I was like, you don't know that. Make it look it up. Yeah, yeah. We speak to intelligent basketball fans here. But the Lakers, I think, will start slow. I think you're going to see – it's, it's going to be a lot like when Shaquille O'Neal was in L.A., right? So I think they're going to be 500 around Christmas. People are going to panic. Dwight Howard may play Sunday his first game. It's going to take him a while to get used to things. I think the Nuggets are positioned, even with the road games, to do all right because they're not adding a ton of new pieces. I think that team already fits together pretty nicely. So the road games are tough. 
Um, but I think the Nuggets are better positioned for something like that than a team that was adding many, many new pieces. Yeah, I'm um, kind of am I crazy to think that since they spent a lot of the guys spent the summer here, they've been working out together a lot, that they might be further ahead than some other teams? Well, that was the I hate to say excuse, but that was the thing that coaches and players brought up last year the Nuggets struggled at times like well if we'd had a whole training camp or if we could have developed our rookies during the summer league so it's a mantra then so you would think that the flip side would be they would succeed and thrive because they were together but it sounds good on October 18th or whatever today is and these Nuggets teams uh, the last couple of years have been very good when they go back east I mean if you look at some of the road trips they've had they've been quite successful so um, you know, George has him playing fairly well on the road, too. Uh, and this, look, I think Iguodala helps in that regard because he really is a veteran player, something that, you know, they had Al Harrington last year, and Al was good for that, and Aaron was sort of wise beyond his years, Aaron sure. Apollo. But I think Iguodala will help in it because he, Iguodala has played in a number of playoff games, and why he's not that superstar is going hit, to hit a lot of game-winning shots, I think he does bring sort of another overused term by writers, that veteran moxie, if you will. The credibility. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's simple. He's got a gold medal and an all-star berth, and who else in the locker room does? See, but I guess my, my, my concern is on the flip side of it is because he's not a super-duper star in terms of just, okay, he's our scorer, you have to learn how to work with Iguodala, and, you, and we're also dependent on a lot of, a lot of ifs in this scenario because it's like, okay, well, Gallinari's got to improve his three-point percentage you know, and Corey Brewer's got to be able to balance that line of crazy and crazy good. Sure. You know, and Jordan Hamilton's got, and, and Carl's got to be able to manage the forward minutes, and Andre Miller's got to feel good enough with his body, and he's been banged up the, in, the entire right. preseason. Like, all of these things have to go together, and that's true for any team, but I feel like when you're going on the road to start off, that's a whole lot of variables, and that's why I'm kind of like, mm, this could go off a little But then you flip off. it the other way, and if they're playing tough teams, you say maybe they'd lose to those guys anyway. Anyway, that's true, too. So talking about some individuals, uh, Matt, you just brought up Andre Miller and his shoulder pad that he's still wearing or was wearing in Portland, which is kind of scary. Um, what do you guys think about some of the individuals on this team as far as, you know, at the end of a game, there's that whole, you know, give it to Kobe Bryant. You know that's going to happen. Give it to LeBron. With this team, they're probably going to take that that same role of trying to use the hot hand, whether that is a real thing or not. Yeah. But does that is that scary for NBA fans? Are they scared about using different guys in yeah. different situations? I mean, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, George... To his credit, and I'm a big George guy, I and mean, I respect what he says, and he always says it's not necessarily about the closer because the closer is tough defense in the final minutes. The closer is getting that turnover. The closer is getting that steal. But at the end of the day, and I covered many games last year, and there was that famous incident, or at least in these parts, with me versus George in Memphis when I asked him about the closer thing, and he blew up on me. Because right. the fact of the matter is, even if you do play that good defense, even if you do get that key right. turnover, it's, there, is, there are many games where it's going to be 98 to 98, and you've got the ball, and you've got to win it. And last year, Rudy Fernandez missed a shot, or Andre Miller missed a shot or somebody else missed a shot because they don't have a closer. I'll say it like this. Muhammad Ali had you beat before you stepped in the ring. And that's what happens late in games with guys like Kobe Bryant. He's got you beat before you even step in because you're so fearful of that. And so my point is that it draws so much attention. And you can look at what the statistics say, and, and that's fine, and look at you know how many shots they make in the last two minutes. doesn't matter. Perception becomes reality, and what happens is so much attention is focused. And we saw this with the Lakers against the Nuggets in their first-round series last year in that Steve Blake's wide, wide open. Steve Blake could have eaten a sandwich had a Coke, and still nailed that shot, right? Because he has yeah. so much time. And, and so it's the perception that these great players create as much as it is the reality. And the Nuggets don't have that. So teams, teams can play them 
straight up and honest at the end of games. They don't do that for the Lakers. So it opens up, and, and other teams for the Miami Heat, it opens up possibilities for Shane Battier to hit those threes. Um, so I think it's that, that perception that, that it creates things for other people. Well, let's be clear on this. Kobe Ryan wasn't not that great last year at clutch shooting. He was awful. I mean, he was bad. I mean, you look at, and that's not statistics or any sort of manipulation. That's straight numbers. Now, but it didn't matter. He's still able to produce. He's still able to produce a higher percentage shot than most guys are sure. because he's a better shooter. And this year, when he comes across that curl screen and Nash hits him, that's going to be a high percentage look every time because he's not going to be. He's not going to be doing ISO dribbling up and taking it over two guys. Hopefully for Lakers fans. But I think when you look at, you know, it's funny. You talked about Iguodala uh, last year in the versus the Celtics, uh, late in games, in playoff games. There was a. There was a. I think it was game five. Uh, it was, no, it was game four because that was the one that the Sixers won. They used dribble drive penetration. Holiday kicks it out, and twice, Iguodala nailed huge threes, and he sealed that game with game-winning shots. Okay. I don't want Iguodala taking a off-the-dribble pull-up jumper, but I love the idea of Ty Lawson. If they want to play him face like if you want to say we're going to play you straight up against Ty Lawson, I'll take Ty Lawson over almost anybody because of his ability to penetrate and get to the line. We saw that in that preseason game the other night. I forgot who it was against. Was exactly. In Vegas. Yeah. And if they commit to him, especially with the function of the offense, instead of finding Steve Blake, who's got too much time, you find an open shooter like Iguodala who's able, who has that experience to be able to knock down that specific shot. Now, all we're talking about here is percentages. You want a high percentage opportunity. That, I think, is the model. Now, is it as good as having you know, even Carmel Anthony a couple of years ago when he really was just able to just completely destroy people? It's not. But if you don't have that, there are ways. My problem is that coaches so often in this league, and I constantly, and you ask them about it, and they also don't have an answer. Because there's been, people have asked the question, like, well, why do you do this? And it comes down to, if it's under 10 seconds, it's about turnovers. It's like, right. well, look, if we try and orchestrate a play, I'd rather have a shot in the air than the ball, you know, you lose the handle and you don't get a shot off. And that makes sense. But if you've got time to set up a play and you ask them, why don't you do this? Like, well, it's just not what we do. Like, you just you put the ball in the, in the best player's hands and you kind of hope for the best. And it's like, yeah, but if two defenders commit to that guy and, you're not, and the rest of your team is trying to clear out, you're in a low percentage situation there. Well, I understand your general point, but in the playoffs, all this changes. Look, Great coaches have always told me the number one objective late in games, get the ball in bounds. And I think fans analyze who's going to get the touch and what. you got to get the ball in bounds. And this is not a shot at George because we remember what happened in 2009 <laughs> where Anthony Carter yeah. threw the ball away. Kenyon Martin throws the ball. And I, and I don't think that's George's fault. There was a reason making a great play. A reason just played that, that play great. So. Sure. But my point is that in the playoffs, everything gets that, that much more difficult. So to try to run a great play in the playoffs late in the game, what you want to do is get the ball in your best player's hands. You have that with Kevin Durant, who's an elite player. You have that with Kobe Bryant. You have that with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. And we go, go through some other rosters where they have this. And that just increases your chance of being able to win. Now, I, I, I agree with you, Matt. Get creative if you don't have that. And I think the Nuggets are doing that. I think George Carlo is doing that. But well, the, you don't have to. I mean, I, I've seen teams not get creative with it. Uh, I've seen teams that just sort of roll over and have this defeatist attitude around it in the past. Well, well, and, and the Nuggets yeah. don't. So that's to George Carlo's credit. But... If what we're looking for is winning a championship, if that's the ultimate goal, I don't think you can do it right now. I don't think – it's not just the Nuggets. I don't think you can do it closer by committee in the NBA. I just don't believe philosophically that will work. You know, I, wonder, though, I wonder if, if – in, in not this year but in future years, and maybe there's a guy on this team that's going to become that. That's what we were saying. What yeah. if you had a guy that was like Ori, that that's what he did. He did a lot of other things. Right. He played good defense. He hit some shots. 
But he made those shots. Okay, but how, Big shot did Robert Ory made a lot of those shots in Phoenix, didn't he? No, he threw a towel in Danny Ainge's face, and he was moved on. My <laughs> point is that that guy doesn't matter if you don't have the stars. Right. If no, you don't, because th- that's created. Even that famous shot he hit uh, that sort of bailed the Lakers out against the Kings where it's batted back mm-hmm. to him, that's because of all the attention that other guys are drawing. And, and that's my point about, about having a, an elite-level talent. But I, think, I think you can create some of those opportunities with Iguodala because it's not like people are going to be – it's not like the defense is going to be like – Oh, yeah, no, that's cool. We're just going to let Iguodala get into the paint. That shouldn't work out well. Like, he's a good enough finisher. They're going to bring that help defense down. Uh, I don't know how much they're going to bring. What they're going to do you on Iguodala. You think they're going to let Andre the, Iguodala have a shot at the nope. rim? They're going to sag off of him and say, beat us with a contested jump shot. Yeah, and he's going to take that and he's going to miss. I agree with you there. Well, I think what's interesting when you look at last season, you talked about do you get creative or, or, do, you, or do you not? Many, not many, a few of those key games last year, who, who was taking the shot? Al Harrington missed mm-hmm. a key shot. Or I mentioned that infamous night in Memphis when they had two times, one in regulation, one overtime. It was Rudy Fernandez, who had literally had zero points on the night, and Andre Miller, who, if you're ranking three-point shooters on the team, he's not even in your top five, probably. Yeah. Heck, is he even in your top ten? I mean, even, 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 Fareed, could, even Fareed could launch up something and maybe make... So, that, so we come back to, was that the best call? And he say, and George will say, we didn't lose the game because of that shot. I'm <laughs> saying, well, you, whatever the case is, you still had to make the shot, and you missed it twice. Yeah, I mean, coaches tend to, tend to rely on the game is not won and lost on those single possessions. It's you know, it's the whole the Popovich, the rock and the hammer. Gonna you know, it's the it's the yeah. hundredth blow. The, the, it's not the hundredth blow. It's all the ones before. And sure. what's George supposed to say there? I mean, George yeah. has to do the best to motivate his guys. He has to say what he says, which is, look, we don't need a closer. We don't need. We we're going to do it differently. We're going to win with teamness. That's to George's credit. I mean, what else is he supposed to do? He's trying right. to motivate the bunch he has. I yeah. wonder if, if maybe the best plan would just be to to, to give it to Ty Lawson and be like sink or swim. Like yeah. let, let's find out if. This, if he's the guy. I love that, Matt. That's what I would do. I would give it to Ty Lawson because he's so explosive. And we saw that in the Clippers uh, preseason game. I mean, he got to the rim late. And it's preseason. I understand that. But Ty Lawson, to me, gives you your best shot because no one can stay in front of Ty Lawson. So either they have to back up and they give him a jump shot, right? And, yeah. and he's a decent jump shooter, probably a bit of better than decent. Or he gets to the rim. Right. Now, here's the other, just really quickly, because I'm sure Nate has many other questions here, but... <laughs> The other thing is the ability to draw fouls late in games, and that's what superstars do. It's and really and hard, so hard. I think that – I'm not saying it's right. Look, I think the game should be refereed the same way, whether it's playoffs, regular season, whether you're LeBron James or whether you're Danilo Gallinari. But we all know that it's not that way. And when you're a star, that's the other thing. It gets you to the free throw. And there's, and not, a, a, and there's not a guy on this team that's going to get one either. And, that's, right. you know, and, on, and look, I, I'm big on Andre Godal. I think he, you know, he really is – I have him as deep, defensive player of the year until probably March 15th last year. <laughs> like that's how good he was. He was right. incredible. I saw him. I, I saw him do absolutely incredible things on defense for much of the year. His ability to switch is unparalleled. He is a fantastic passer. His knowledge of where guys are, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that's really going to improve that we've seen in the preseason. Once he gets the chemistry with Kenneth, right. that's going to get terrifying. But he's still not going to get that call when he drives in the lane. If they right. hack him, they're, they're going to get away with it. And you could say that Gallinari right now is Denver's best guy at that, mm-hmm. and he gets to the line at a high percentage. And he's not going to. But he's not going to get the call. Yeah. So, right. but but maybe, but then we come back to the the pie in the sky. Does Gallinari become an all star this year? Then maybe next year he gets the call. Well, but who knows? Can we address that point really quick? Because traditionally, if you look in the NBA, and I, and I'll grant you that some bigs here of late have developed a little late. But how much have they developed? You know, I, I mean, you're not going to see a big who's an average big become a superstar big. Because even Roy Hibbert, who just got paid, is not a superstar. Roy Hibbert He's looks like a super, no, 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 superstar no. in comparison to other bigs. I, I'm talking about. I'm talking about becoming into. I can play this guy 35 minutes, and defensively, we are going to be stacked. Right. So a solid. That's a what solid I'm talking. About. I got it. You're not talking but, about but, Shaq. 
But there are there are no Hakeem Elijah ones in this league. Correct. Right. You're absolutely correct. DeAndre Jordan's not going to become Hakeem in two years. But, no, despite but, what Clippers fans think right now. How <laughs> many guys? Ty Lawson is not going to improve by leaps and bounds. It's just not going to happen. He can get a little better. Gallinari's not going to improve. I by think leaps Gallinari and can get better. I think he can be. He can get. He, he can, can take get a the biggest better. leap of any. I think nugget. last year hurt him. I think. I think. He, I, I think last year he was. I think he was on pace to make that jump. And then the injuries really derailed him. And now he's got to catch up on his shooting. He's got to catch up on these other things. Yeah. And he's got a lot of competition right now because a lot of what he was going to do in terms mm. of, okay, let's give it to the ball to Gallinari and see what he can create, that's going to Iggs now. Yeah, that's, that's well said. The, that's, that's well where that said. Going. But I, don't call him Iggy. No. Yeah, he doesn't not like that. Dre. So I, much easier to Or Iggs, as you yeah. just used. Yeah. I don't like that. I, don't, I think <laughs> it's puppies and candy canes to think that Ty Lawson or Gallinari or, or one of these guys is going to take – Iguodala is going to take a huge step forward. I think – it's fun to talk about. Like, well, one of these guys would sure. just do that. I still think the bet, the only way that the Nuggets get over this hump is they consolidate some of these assets they have, and they wait for that, that opportunity. No, I agree, but I, I guess I'm more talking about, you know, I don't think, like I said earlier, that kind of formula I was talking about, I'm not looking for Ty Lawson to become Chris Paul. I'm looking for Ty Lawson to become just below that top five class of guys, but below, you know, uh, Steve Nash, Chris Paul, Rondo, even Nash is Darren Williams, Darren Williams, Rondo, yeah. those guys, right below that to be in that next next tier guys where Tony and again, it's one where you can you can count on him and you can say wow that guy can really and he can score and he can and if you can rely on that then your system your your defense your bigs and if you add that other guy that's where you can really make the difference. Remember that week? Remember that week he had he won Player of the Week. He was he just blew up. He had key shots in San Antonio. I was like watching a different guy. Yep. But but the fact is, you've got to be consistent in this league. I mean, you can't just have a great week and then have a down week. Well, and that's I think where he's going to improve. That's where young players improve. It's not about their ta- their talent level is not going to increase exponentially. It's that right. those it's the you know coaches hammer it consistency. Yeah. Like Corey Brewer, I think that's what we're going to see it this year. Is he'll be more consistent defensively. He's not going to make as many mistakes. Right. Like I think Brewer has a fantastic chance of becoming a real Tony Allen type guy. Wow. That may, and with better offense, and that's you know, you didn't have, that's not a high bar to get over, but it's still you know that's going to be really helpful for them. Yeah. yeah. All right, you guys kind of mentioned uh, earlier. We already touched on this with maybe trading some pieces here or there. You guys were talking about it more of a as a long game approach. What about this season? Do you guys think that this team is going to look like they are now after the trade deadline? Mm. Because there's been so much talk with like you know with Wilson Chandler, his name comes up yeah. every time. Gosh, we haven't even mentioned Wilson Chandler. I haven't even talked about thing. Him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's gonna play at the five apparently, according to George Carl, <laughs> which makes my head just detonate. I just I can't even get my brain around it. Like I try and think about it, it's like the movie Pie. Like I just black out. <laughs> I think. Wow, that was an interesting image. Um, I think it all depends on what the market bears. I think the Nuggets are are. They're not looking to make a deal, but they're, they're always in the market to make a deal with this roster. So I think it all depends. It's key that the Nuggets keep winning at a reasonable level because it's great to have depth. Every coach loves having depth and still, until you start losing because then guys start getting cantankerous, guys start getting testy, and if that happens, then you're going to have a problem. If you're winning, as the Nuggets have done pretty consistently, it's fine. Or if there's injuries and then right. guys can get sporadic minutes. But if the Nuggets, let's say that they struggle on the road early, okay, and all of a sudden the Nuggets fall below 500, I don't think it takes but a few weeks to start hearing some grumbling from Jordan Hamilton's or Corey Brewer's or whomever it might be, uh, the guys that aren't getting the minutes. Um, so 
if that happens, you may be forced in some way to make a trade. A oh, Wilson Chandler is another guy who could be grumbling. I mean, Wilson Chandler to me is the guy that I think is most likely to get traded. I yeah. just do. I don't. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm we'll, all choked we'll, up. We'll, we'll be here. Oh, I'm all. Take, take, <laughs> time. take time. Wilson Chandler just chokes me up. Um, <laughs> he's just so <laughs> such a great three point shooter. Um, no, but I think. He's so talented. Well, he's not so talented, but he's talented enough. He could start on a number of teams that I think he's the guy that probably gets dealt before the trade deadline. But there's always that caveat if the right deal becomes available. You look at the guys that are, that are available, that are entering into those, those kind of superstar, going to make a big impact things. If they don't trade for need, which I can't imagine this team doing, because it's like, why are you going to trade for need if you know you can't win a title? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yep. So. You know, you look at guys like Paul Millsap. Does Paul Millsap fail on this team? No. Like that, Paul Millsap is not, not not that guy. Harden's an interesting one, but Harden's cost is going to be so high that you're really talking about you're going to have to send either Iguodala or Lawson, and either one of those are very prob- probable. And the, yeah. and the Thunder aren't going to be amiable to either of those because they're going to be like, that doesn't help us at all because we're still going to be in a luxury tax. So, you know, I will say, as much as it sounds insane... I looked at Gallinari's contract, and I go, that's an extremely tradable asset. I don't think you're insane at all. I that's totally a, agree with you. That's a crazy tradable asset. You're talking yes. about a young, talented forward on a mid-level, not-huge-number deal for multiple years, providing stability. They can flip Gallinari and be able to add a lot, especially if they package it with any of those bigs. Right. Plus they have two guys, you know, in Iguodala and Chandler that can fill right in. I can't, think, Chandler, I can't yeah. think of anybody in this league outside of the really elite teams that wouldn't look at that and go, let's see what we got to offer. But it depends on the type of deal that comes about. You may have to trade a guy like Wilson Chandler because he's upset about the minutes that he's right. getting. Now, if you right? have, and it yeah. forces their hand. Yeah. But I agree. Where I see them moving Gallinari is if that superstar caliber guy becomes available. Yeah. They're, they're not going to trade it. Gallinari for Gallinari. Right. right. That's your cash. Well, well, you're not going to trade in Gallinari even for a guy like, I mean, I would say, yeah, even though I like this player a lot, even a guy like Marcus Thornton. Like, you're not going to trade in a guy. If you're looking and you're like, man, we really need some shooting. Right. You're going to live with Gallinari and be like, maybe he'll improve before you go out and get a pure shooter yeah. who's not able to do the kind of things that Gallinari it, it, for, Again, this is abstract, but it comes down to the Nuggets right now are a 3-5 through five team in the Western Conference. They could make moves that keep them at a 3-5 through five team in the Western Conference. But why do that? The whole point is to take that next step and compete with the Lakers and the Thunder. And if they can't do it in 2012-13, they keep their assets, they grow their assets, and maybe they make the trade a year. And, like we said, the, a Kevin Garnett is going to be available at some time. Now, I will say, I think it's interesting with the trade uh, for Howard uh, that brought in Iguodala. You know, you're looking at, I think that they're going to be in the market to pick up a, a, a trade or a, a draft pick. I don't okay. think that they, I don't, I think that they have to hedge because, if X player that can put them over the hump doesn't come available, and this team doesn't show that nobody jumps out and Lawson or Iguodala doesn't take their game to the next level, they're going to want to be able to look in the future and go, we have a plan to get that guy. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, they it was worth the draft pick to get Iguodala, but I think they know. I mean, that's been their big thing is they've they've constantly acquired assets that are good players that they can use to get better players. Yep. And mm-hmm. draft picks is part of that. So I think that's something to keep an eye on too. That I can't imagine they feel comfortable being without. I mean, this team will be good for this year and next year, and they can right. realistically win between forty five and fifty five games. But you know, again, the long term goal is one where they have to look at. It. And I don't think that there can. I, there are a lot of teams in this league. I can tell you, their management is just like, look, we are who we are. 
we're content, we're going to see what kind of happens, we're going to you know, try and do some different things. I don't think that's where this team is. From every indication I've gotten is that this team is realistically like, no, 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 we're going to wait for the right moment, but we want to strike and we want to try and make it to where we can actually win a title. And they, they knew about their lack of future draft picks when they made the decision this year to draft two 19-year-olds, knowing that they have room to grow and time to grow. Man, Fournier is interesting, too. Yeah, so George loves about that. Is. Like, George never says anything Maybe he doesn't say bad things about rookies. He just doesn't talk about it. Sure, them. he does. He says bad <laughs> well, things about yeah. rookies. <laughs> no, that's my thing. Is that he, he he says all these nice things about Fournier, and he says all these bad things about Kenneth Fareed. Like last year, he was like Kenneth Fareed. Will, he was like, well, he's not going to play this year. Right. Like he said. Right. Like I remember. Like you were right. Like yeah. you were like I, that quote I got from you was like sure. he was like, well, Kenneth Fareed's not going to play this year. Now, obviously, he, he couldn't have seen. But it's just crazy because I can't really see what he sees in Fournier. I, I don't. I don't get that yet. I. I've watched film on Fournier, and I like him. I, I think a lot of people jumped to conclusions about Fournier and said, well, he's a shooting guard that can't shoot. They looked at his three-point statistics, and they just sort of ran with that. When you watch him play, he's got a real natural sense for the game. Um, skilled. He's very skilled. High basketball I, I was, you IQ. Took, you, and not only that, but high skill level for position. You took the words out of my mouth. Um, I, I think – is he ready now? No. He's not good enough defensively. But, but George likes guys who play the right way. Okay, and that's why. And Fournier plays the right way, um, and he also seems to he seems to have a thing for Euros too. Maybe it's when he coached in Europe. I don't know, but um, he doesn't hammer the Euros that he's coached traditionally as much. I mean, Detlef Schrempf was another guy that yeah. he, that he really <laughs> liked, right, in Seattle. So, I, I but but I do like Fournier. I don't think his time is now. Look, if, if you're seeing Fournier play major minutes, uh, that's bad news he's for the Nuggets. It means there's a lot of injuries right. happening, right? But and Quincy Miller, we won't even get. I, I think he's couple years away before he's even going to see much time on the court. But he's an intriguing prospect as well. But Fournier has high skill level for position. And I don't understand where they got him. I thought it was a good value. And I heard all of these people bashing him, fans, some media types, and it made me wonder, uh, is it just because they don't know who he is? Obviously. Is I mean, you yeah. jump to the conclusion. I mean, it's easy for fans, and we saw it. I mean, if, that was the whole thing. If they had drafted Quincy Miller with that pick and gotten Fournier with the second-round pick, everyone would be fine with it. Oh, he stole. We got a steal. We got that yeah. French guy in the second round. But that, that's the fan. That's, I mean, what See, well, my thing, my thing when I, I wasn't big on the pick, it was mostly that I was like, okay, you got another guy. You know, but that's part of the problem, right, is, is for the 2-3 two, the, the spot, you know, Iguodala, Gallinari, Chandler, <laughs> Hamilton. You know, Hamilton, Brewer, on down the line, and it was like, well, why are you, you know, that, that makes me nuts when you take a log jam and you make a log jam worse. Well, but their point was the, the position was regardless. They were going to get a young guy that could right. develop, yeah, and they didn't that, need him to play. If you're, if, you're past, if you're past pick 10, I, I'm always against that. I'm always like, look, you need to be targeting where you where can you shore up a position so that you can look to add the kind of guys that you need. And that's, that's you know, that, that to me was a concern. But at the same time, I, I do like, you know, I mentioned you, the skill. Like, I like his awareness. Like, he's very comfortable. He's got great handle, yeah. which is really good. And to he's see. confident. He's very confident. I love it. You know, and defensively, my concern more is that there's going to be an infatuation there, and that's going to cost Hamilton minutes. And again, I feel like you need Hamilton on the floor to stretch that defense. Maybe, you need him on the floor to stretch that defense. Maybe I'm giving Masai too much credit floor. here. But, you need him on um, that floor. I, you know, perhaps the Nuggets are looking around the bend here, too, and realizing that they have way too many wing players. They're probably going to package a group of wing players, perhaps with a big, to get another. I mean, they're just hedging their bets there and saying that's probably going to happen. Let's get a young guy that we like, and if he comes into his own, great. Then when we add this player around the bend, you know, then we have we have Fournier perhaps ready to play in a couple years. Yeah, and I mean, I've defended their decision to bring him over now as opposed to having him waited out in Europe because, you know, to me, 
when after watching him, you know, I've seen he's skilled enough to where practice time and being over here and getting used to this game, that's what he needs to do. Like skill, I always say for the Euros, that's when they need to develop skills because mm-hmm. that's a very skill-heavy league, and that's where you can really develop that. He's there. So I think having him here is good now that they have him. I, it's more of a matter of I'm, I'm still kind of like I don't – like I can't see him developing into – you know, I think he's still going to be a bit player for for quite a while, sure. unless the shot really comes along. So that's where I'm kind of like, you know, it's good that you have this long term asset. That's great, but are you? Is that really where you're at? Are you are you in a four year? Want to see how this works out long term, or you know, because if you're going to go that route again, it's like, well, why aren't you just going all all in on the long term? So. Right. Well, their whole shtick was. Whoever they got at 19, was at the pick 19? 20. 20, was yeah. not going to play for them next year. So you might as well get someone you can develop. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, we're running a little close on time. I know you guys have some other obligations. We'll kind of start wrapping this thing up. What do you guys see as the uh, NBA general picture this year? How do you think the Nuggets kind of finish out? And then who do you guys see maybe facing in the finals? I think it's kind of ho-hum. It's kind of easy to say. I mean, it's going to be the Heat versus one of those two teams. From the West, right? Am I am I speaking okay. crazy talk here? <laughs> I don't think it's crazy talk at all. I mean, everyone wants to make a bold prediction, right, right. and stand out. But I'm with you. I think that what's interesting in the so I, Miami's my pick for the East. That's all I have to say about that. Um, in the West, that was Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say about that. Um, that was far too simplistic. But were it's you true. on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> that was a great impression. Yeah, you know, I do what I can. I do what I, I, I hang around uh, this guy named Ben Hockman. Oh, is that what you just do? stand up on his free time. I learn a lot from him. Um, <laughs> What's I, the deal? <laughs> but I think Oklahoma City finishes with the first seed because I don't think the Lakers are. It's going to take time for the Lakers to come together. Like the Heat that so, one year. I'm serious. Yes, like, that, that yeah, first absolutely. year. Absolutely. And yeah. and I think I think the Lakers are going to start hitting their groove in March and April. They've had a tendency to do that for a long, long time, uh, especially. Integrating Dwight Howard, that's going to be a complicated process. And by virtue of then Oklahoma City having the first seed, I'm going to take Oklahoma City and Miami in the finals for that reason because I think home court's going to be really important. And I think the Thunder are going to come out of the gates ready to go. This is a team that didn't make major changes, so I think they're going to have that chemistry throughout. And the Lakers, it's, it's going to hurt them coming out of the gates slow. Matt? I think the Nuggets wind up probably, you know, it's, it's going to be them in San Antonio, I think, battling for, for three and four. I think that's where, and that's going to be actually pretty pivotal because whoever winds up in that four spot is going to have either the Clippers or the Grizzlies, and whoever ends up in the three spot is probably going to have the Clippers or the Grizzlies. So it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really matter where they line up. Like that's who they're going to have. So yeah. it's probably in that spot. They need to get home court if they're going to be able to get to the second round. That's going to be pivotal. Um, yeah, as far as the top, I mean, look, I, I'm not as nearly as pessimistic, pessimistic on the Lakers because Steve Nash is the best uh, – not just from the metrics in terms of if you talk to scouts and just watch him. He's the best pick-and-roll point guard in the game. Dwight Howard, from every measure, is the best pick-and-roll finisher in the game. <laughs> forget Kobe Bryant. Forget right. Pau Gasol. Think about that statement. Forget Kobe yeah. Bryant. Forget Pau Gasol. Yeah, if you but, but you, but you can't, though. That's my point is that they're going to have to balance each guy's strengths and weaknesses and figure that out because you can't just – with Kobe Bryant and that personality, yeah. you can't just play pick-and-roll with I Dwight think, Howard and Steve Nash. But I think that they're going to send him around enough curl screens – to make him happy, I think he's still going to get his shots. I think Howard's, I think Howard's numbers are going to be considerably down. I think there'll be some sort of adjustment, but the problem is like the Heat had a whole lot of adjustments to make, and yeah, they didn't make the number one seed, but they wound up in like, and they wound up as two. So it's like it's one where you know I think the Lakers have a higher ceiling than even that because it's a, less of an awkward fit when you have you know LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. That's actually a really weird combination of players. That's lots of talent, yeah. but it's a weird combination versus a point guard to create off the pick and roll, a shooter to, a shooter to throw to off the curl and you know run out test to miss threes in the corner. But like 
I, I, again, I think San Antonio is going to be one to really to watch because they could jack a lot of things up because if they're good again, right. if they're as good as they have been, you know, if the Nuggets wind up in that 4-5 real battle, if that turns into a tight one, that's going to be ugly because it's going to take a lot out of them. And it's Popovich versus Carl, and Popovich has had his yeah. way with George Lyon. Real quick, uh, look at it this way. Let's say last year. I mean, the Suns made a push for that eighth seed last. They they, they weren't the eighth seed. It was no, Utah, just. but they made a push there. They played well in the second half. Let's say. Let's just follow me in this. Replace Gortat with Dwight, a healthy Dwight Howard last year. The, what are they? Suddenly, that's an okay team. Maybe they're pushing for that fifth or sixth spot. Then add. Then take away those three other guys and put in Pau Gasol, yeah. Kobe Bryant, and Meta World. But they're Peace. also not running that system, and they're going to be trying to run the Princeton, which I've, I wrote about this the other week. There's absolutely zero reason for them to be running the Princeton. Amen. There's absolutely zero reason for them to be running Princeton. But, yeah. but Matt, you're, you're helping to make my point in that that's why I think this is going to be much more comp- Too many cooks in the kitchen. The now, yeah, once we start once we get past the personnel and we get the coaching, now I'm with you right. on that this may be tough. And, and that's why I think it's not inconceivable to believe that another team could get one of the top two seeds. I could see the Lakers being three or four. And let's not forget the Spurs had the number one seed last year. Last two years. Last, and they had the same guys come back. I mean, I know every year right. they get older, but I mean, I mean everyone Gr- is Kawhi pushing Kawhi Leonard is only getting better. I know. He's, he's fun and to watch. And that's an important Everyone's point. Everyone's pushing them to the side. Because just where you finish for playoff seeding does not mean that you're ranked that way when it all comes down to it in terms of how good and how skilled your team is. So the Lakers, I think, will be one of the top two teams in the West in terms of how they're playing when they go into the playoffs. I'm just not sure they'll be in one of the top two seeds. Gotcha. You want to know what Denver needs to aim for? Now, I talk about this a lot, and nobody ever listens to me because coaches just don't think about that at all. I'll listen to you, man. Like, they, you need to aim for matchups. Like, that needs to be your objective. You need to aim for matchups. Clippers did that one year the to nu- face the Nuggets. The yeah. Nuggets need to, they need, to, they need to wind up trying to play uh, San Antonio. That would be the best situation for them because they probably they are more athletic and they have a be- they will probably be a better defensive team, even with the spacing and the kind of awareness and all those guys. And yeah, Duncan will have a freaking field day. Huh. You know, they've got the the guys to be able to attack them and get up and down the floor and be able to play with them. I think you target San Antonio, and that's how you try and sneak up. And the last couple of years, even though Popovich historically out coaches George, the Nuggets have had a couple of key wins at San Antonio. The last couple I also of years. I also weirdly I keep it's all always in the abstract because I go back to that 2011 series where uh, the Thunder just kicked the crap out of the Nuggets. I really like the conceptual matchup against the Thunder. I like the idea so George. of Iguodala facing Durant. Yeah, I like the idea of Lawson, yeah. you know, losing with Westbrook. You know, you've got you've got Ibaka and you've got Perkins. Perkins is not good right now. He's and it's been injuries, but he's so limited offensively. It's like, oh, he's really great defensively. Good job. You can shut down JaVale McGee. Congrats. Yeah. But you know, Ibaka is going to hurt you. But then Ibaka is going to have a hard time matching Fareed's energy, and that says a lot when Ibaka can't match you from an energy. Right. They've got more depth, I think, than OKC. There's a lot of ways in which that would be a favorable matchup. I think the Thunder come out ahead, but that, to me, is a lot better because the big problem, you talk about last year, like the big problem with the, with, the, with the Lakers last year, and it's the same problem with the Lakers this year, is get the ball to the big guy, he's going he's gonna to bump in, he's going to dunk the end. Two, we'll say you guys two, were, you guys two were, words really quick. Kevin Durant. That, so, so it doesn't matter. That's why the Thunder will win that series. I agree. I like a lot of the matchups, but at the end of the day, they can't do anything with Kevin Durant. Nobody even a nigga dollar. No, not. he can't. I mean, he'll make his life harder, but Kevin Durant yeah. can. That's what you're talking about. You're just, try, you're just trying to. You're just trying to shave points off. That's all you're trying to do. Is you're just trying to shave a few percentage points off, yeah. off of him to but be Ke- able to bring him within reason. And then, and then you keep it close, and then Kevin Durant is the reason why the Thunder win the series. If that ha- if it comes down to that. Yeah, but He's then good. yeah. Have you, have you watched the Thunder sets in, in late game situations though? They are. One 
one of the worst because their plan essentially is give the ball to Kevin Durant. But the problem is he ends up taking 40-foot fadeaway threes. Like, his actual well, percentages. No, on. no, not, seriously. Not all the time he ends up taking. Dallas 2011. Why'd they lose that series? Okay, doubt, but that's 2011. Right. And then last year they had – now, he, he did better last year. But that's, one of the big problems – You read my mind. But one of the problems last year was still – I mean, this continues to be an issue with – if you can get Durant into the right spots, he still struggles sometimes with those with those kind of shots because he doesn't have he doesn't have the ability to post down low and just take it and then work for the. Now when he gets that, it's over. I mean, it's just over. Get, and if it's this, if give, that's me this Dur- year? give me Durant. That's all I'm saying. Give me Durant at the end of the game. <laughs> no. You guys mentioned quickly um, just that you know if the Nuggets have guys grumbling about minutes or this and that, is Pau Gasol a guy that has a personality that would be like, hey, my numbers are suffering with Steve Nash, Howard, Kobe. As long as he's able to go to the opera, he's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he. I don't think Pau's that guy. Powell desperately wanted to stay in Los Angeles last yeah, year. He's just happy so. he's not. He's just he is just happy he's not in Orlando. That right. is, that is the entire, he thought he, he was likes, there. I think I, I also think he likes the culture. I think he likes the, and he likes being part yep. of a winning organization yep. in a big city where he's a big famous guy that's able to live comfortably and have an awesome life. I think he's totally. I think he's. And I think him being able to play with Steve Nash. You know when Howard's out and they're on the pick and pop. That's terrifying. And yeah. now and he's and already now he won has, a championship. He's 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 been a, yeah. two championships. He's been a star. In Spain, played played in those gold Couple medal Rolling games. Rolling Stone in Spain. There it is. Yeah, I mean, out of land now. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, good. I think he's good to go in his new role. I don't think he's like still yeah. trying to climb a mountain. And he has no pressure now either. Dwight Howard's anything that goes wrong with the Lakers is going to be blamed on Dwight is, Howard. Is now. Pau so, Gasol the best fourth best player on a team in basketball history? Ooh, I'd have to go through the rosters and the history, but that, you, I have to think about it. So he's it's, yeah. he's in the conversation. Is he the best fourth best player? Wilkes, maybe? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Celtics old All teams. Mm. I'd probably take Powell over Wilkes, but I, I'd have to think about Powell it. If Powell went to any other team in the in – the, not any other team, many other teams in the league right now, he would be a, a 2010 guy, right? Yep, but Would Powell, Jamal Wilkes have put up numbers like that mm, for other Kevin teams? Kevin Johnson, Parrish. You got Bird, Parrish. Dennis Johnson? Dennis Johnson, Bird, right. Yeah, Dennis Johnson. Bird, Parrish, McHale. And then, Kevin, and then Dennis. And then Dennis. But, Dennis I, but Johnson, again, I don't think Dennis Johnson would have been a. I mean, I don't know. I was four years old, but I don't know if Dennis Johnson would have been a an all star yeah, superstar probably, like Powell could have been. For well, the other but, but Powell's very skilled, but he's not an alpha dog. So that's why when he came to LA, that was the perfect role for him. It's even better now because all the pressure's off of him. Um, but that's a good question. I, I mean, thank you, Travis. I, I, if there's not an easy <laughs> answer to it, it's a great question. Right. And I, off the top of my head, my, my inclination is to answer yes. He's That's what happens to me whenever I say would you, to a girl at the bar, would you like to go to dinner with me next week? And they don't say no right away. You got a chance. Got a right. chance. Got so a you're chance. telling me there's a chance. They're saying there's a chance. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys coming down here, filming, uh, recording this. Our listeners are going to love it. Well, they'll like it. They'll <laughs> <laughs> <Anytime. laughs> clap politely. <laughs> Anytime we'll put out anything, Nuggets, you know, and to have you three guys come in, I, I could have listened to this for another three or four hours. So it was awesome. Ben, Travis, Matt, thank you guys so much. Thanks, Nate. Thank you. It's great. All right. Very nice work, Nate Timmons, for putting that together. I am really disappointed I had to miss out on that. If you can sit back, I mean, I basically uh, tried to moderate the thing and just kind of let them go. And once we started rolling, it really it really started rolling. It was really interesting to see. I tend to get a little bit, I don't know if jaded is the right term, but 
it seems like so often opinions about sports, like it's like they're general opinions that just get repeated over and over and over and over again, right? And, you know, it's kind of like along the lines of just and, – and you see this a lot on like ESPN or, or something like that. I mean I'm assuming ESPN is the same way it was a year uh, and a half ago when I used to have cable. <laughs> right. But like with that roundtable, you know, with these three guys, you know, with, with you and these three guys, like – it's like, wow, I mean, there really are differing opinions about stuff. And when you listen to these guys talk, that's where you get that juicy stuff and that knowledge and that information. And and uh, and I see that a lot on the DeverStiffs.com website, you know, in the comment boards, right, or, or the forums. What was that? Comment yeah, the se- comment, comment section. section. Yeah, just people, you know. And, I, you know, I know I pick on the Denver Stiffs commenters because they complain about uh, not enough basketball talk on our podcast. Right. Well, they can't complain about this one. No, you got your <laughs> fill right there. And it was it was just – it was kind of cool because, I mean, if we didn't have this video recorded. But there were times where, you know, Travis would be explaining his point and Matt Moore's, you know, visibly ready to disagree with him and kind of like <laughs> shaking his fist. And, you know, so they had some good back and forth in there about their differing viewpoints and – you know, obviously Hawkman offering up his his inside view of uh, being around the team on a daily basis, as well as Matt's. You know, he's he's plugged in at practice quite a bit. Uh, Travis uh, hasn't been around quite yet. Hasn't been around this season quite yet, but he's going to be back in as well, doing his uh, hoops world and USA Today stuff. So, but very plugged in. I know uh, Travis even did some consulting work with the Minnesota Timberwolves the past couple of years. So, I mean, he's you know, very knowledgeable NBA guy and very knowledgeable NBA mind, just like Ben and Matt as well. And I love the fact, and, you know, we, you know, we can't say too much, you know, that wasn't already covered, but I love the fact that there's not just your typical positions about the NBA. I mean, there was actual talk about basketball. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> uh, dribble drive. I, you know, I heard that a million times in this podcast. Well, not a million times, but it's like, oh, dribble drive, you know. That that's uh you know I'm like oh uh, I mean I guess I really haven't heard that that much right as as far as a term describing an offense and having guys like you know Andre Iguodala and Danilo Gallinari run the point forward position right and right swinging Ty Lawson to a open position to hit open threes and you're you're like what that's <laughs> the reality of the the modern NBA game of basketball is the the dribble drive right the point forward position you know who's the most Famous point forward. LeBron James, I guess you could probably say, is the most famous point forward guy. Yeah, right? revolutionizing it for sure. Exactly, and that's the modern game, and that's the game that they have to play. And it's so funny, you know, last week, you know, you and Jeff Morton and I are talking about too many wings, right? Right. Well, you know, when you take a guy like Andre Godala and put him at the point forward position, you know, quote unquote point forward, oh, wow, that starts to resemble more of the modern NBA game. And it seems a little different than the typical George Carl fast break teams, right? So yeah. anyway, a, a great discussion. I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I guess we can leave it at that. Um, so you want to get into these picks? Yeah, we just get into uh, what we did last week. On uh, the- as I was listening to that, I had a chance to review my picks. The the week Jeez. week seven NFL picks here. Uh, Ross, I'll let you go ahead and uh, let us know how you did and your overall record, which I believe should be written on there as well. Five and eight. That's uh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! The Battle of the Birds last week screwed me. Battle of Birds, and your overall record now is run to what? It's on the bottom left up there. Oh, bottom. Oh my god. Bottom right. Fifty and fifty-three. 
15, well, that's not that bad. No, not bad at all. Um, wow. I, I've never done this before. Yeah. I've never picked games like this. We're just lucky we're not picking against the spread because it would be even uglier. But what? But like now, if I picked against the spread, right? I mean, I'd have odds against me. So some of my wins that I picked, or some of the games I picked correctly, might have had a better payout, right? So That's like, true. I might be ahead in the money. Of course, I have no idea how to calculate that, and I do not understand sports gambling at all. Well, yeah, I mean, it's basically you know, if you let's say, did you miss the Buffalo Tennessee game? I don't know, whatever. I did, yes. I missed the Tennessee-Buffalo game. But you might have gotten that right because the point spread might have been, you know, six, and they, Buffalo may have only lost by three, so you would have actually won that game. Yeah. So it's weird. But you know what I did pick right? My fantasy team. Uh, I lost, so I guess I didn't pick that right. But I picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick when I had the opportunity to pick <laughs> up some other guys. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick had the best fantasy week out of everybody except for, like, you know, three well big-time starting quarterbacks. So I picked that one right, and i got to pat myself on the back for that. Yeah, he wasn't too bad. My fantasy team started out 0-4 in my money league, and I'm now 3-4. and Made a big trade, 3-0 since then. Pretty excited. Good for, you, Good for but, you, buddy. Good for you. Sticking to these uh, weekly picks, week seven, Jeff Morton we had on as a guest picker. He's His don't count. Who cares? His don't count, but he went 11-2 and two last week. <laughs> the only games he missed was uh, Tennessee at Buffalo. Of course, Tennessee with that mad comeback. And then he missed uh, Washington and the Giants. He picked the Redskins, and uh, the Giants handled them pretty decently. 11 so. and 2? 11 and 2, man. Jeff was uh, holding it down. So he did quite well. Uh, I came in with a, with another pretty good mark of 10 and 3. Sheesh. I missed the uh, Buffalo and Tennessee game. I missed Dallas and Carolina. How did Carolina not beat Buff or Dallas? And then I missed uh, Cincinnati over Pittsburgh. I, I, I picked the Bengals, and they did me wrong. But I went 10 and 3, pushed my overall record to 59 and 44. So that we could call this, that. call this Separation Sunday, perhaps. Hey, Ross. Dude, Jeff went 11 and 2. That's the best week anybody's had on this podcast and he's not even a he's just a guest he's just a piddly he's guest he's not even a colorado sports guy no he's just, he's just a stiff and jeff it's <laughs> car sports guys and jeff so well, Ross, as we as jeff we usually, morton congratulate what Ugh. as we do here uh you now will have to read the prepared statement that i prepared for you that i did not prepare i mean i can give you a oh minute to God. look at it real <laughs> I need fast to look this over it's going to be another uh, another movie quote for you so i'll let you uh, get into character maybe you can figure out what movie it is you should be able to pick it up by the first couple sentences there's about 40 of them there Oh, my God. I literally have no idea what this is. Are you serious? Well, Russ, let's just say Okay, hold on. Uh, Let me finish reading it. Okay. Just don't rush me, all right? I'm not going to rush you. I'm get into character, but I don't know who the character is. I'm just going to try to tell you what time of year it is. To just think about that. Uh, the autumn? <laughs> yes. Halloween? October 23rd in autumn. That's what I always think of. <laughs> Halloween, Ross, yes. In the spirit of Halloween. Is this the movie Halloween? Well, now we can't tell people to tweet us and guess the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So I was right. Well, okay. Have you ever seen Halloween? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Michael Myers? Yeah. Yeah. Who says this? Is this a man or a woman? uh, His name's on the bottom there. Yeah, I know. That name could be used for a man or a woman. Oh, that's a man. So I guess you haven't seen Halloween. Because he's a pretty prominent character. <laughs> yes, uh, I have my eyes covered most of the time. All right, here I go. <clears throat> I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left. No reason. No conscience. No understanding. 
Even the most rudimentary sense of life and death, good or evil, right or wrong, I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Did I do a good job? Yeah, man, that was pretty good. <laughs> Is that what it sounds like? I, th- I think so. That was pretty good. Next week's my comeback week. <laughs> I'm coming back. Think I can hit the microphone like I did last week? Keep your eyes closed here. Yeah, yeah close those eyes, buddy. Oh! <laughs> that was perfect. Ross Two weeks in a row. Oh, man, that was a good quote. Sorry, I ruined it um, by saying... The name of the movie. That was good. Maybe, you could, maybe if you guys know who said that quote, tweet that to us. Yeah, do that. Yeah, tweet us the character's name from the movie, and uh, for of course, big, big prizes. Of course, I write these down, and then after Ross reads them, since he's lost every time so far, he crumples ah. them up and then throws them at my microphone, and he's two for two on hitting it. So I nailed that thing. And this is, I mean, this is a palatial studio. You're good 30, 40 feet away. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, minimum. Minimum. Good times. Good so, all right, so that was week seven. I'm crapping the bed here, 1553. <laughs> yes. We're going to have uh, on Thursday, we're going to sit down and we're going to make our picks for week eight. As I'm glancing through this uh, schedule, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. This could be a fun weekend for sports, or, I mean, for football. It's always uh, a pretty fun weekend for football. (laughs) We're going to get out of here. But, again, we want to remind everybody to, uh, if you want to support the podcast and if you do some shopping on Amazon, why don't you try clicking through Amazon uh, via the Colorado Sports Guys website. ColoradoSportsGuys.com, the top, there's the banner, right? So uh, do that. Trust me, we love it very much. Uh, I didn't have time to look up any of the uh, purchases, and uh, by that I mean I just forgot. (laughs) But uh, it's always interesting stuff. Here's the thing I want to say. Christmas is approaching. Fast I approaching. do all my Christmas shopping on Amazon. It's always cheaper. I don't even know where else to go. You uh, can find things, uh, you know, more unique items. You go there, buy them, and, you know, you get them shipped directly to wherever they're going. I got family and friends all over the world. Yeah, you got Literally. family out of town. This is the perfect option My for you. My brother's moving to Singapore. His brother's moving to Singapore. <laughs> Singapore. <laughs> all right? Singapore. So what am I going to do? Buy him something at Target and then ship it to him? No. No, Use not Amazon for $45? Yeah. Come on. So anyway, I recommend that. Also, want to mention uh, on November 3rd at Jake's, which is uh, Jake's Food the, Spirits, thirty eight hundred Walnut Street, the unofficial or the official headquarters of Denver Stiffs. Pretty official. Pretty official. Is going to be the first Stiffs night out. Yeah, playing the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat. Uh, is that a home game? No, it's got to be a road game. Yeah, we go road games on all those. Of course, that makes sense. So if you're a Nuggets fan or a, uh, just a Denver fan in general, and you want to hang out with some funny, interesting, cool people, go to Jake's on November third. It's an evening game, I believe. Five thirty start, so you probably want to show up about five o'clock. And as we usually do, we'll have some giveaways, uh, perhaps some Nuggets swag as well as some Nuggets tickets. Ooh. So you want to be there for that. There you go. Get a burger. Get a beer. And uh, get the cheesesteak sandwich. Oh, it's so good. Commune with your fellow Denver fans. That'll do it, I think. Excellent job, Nate Timmons. Again, excellent job getting 
Travis, Matt, and Ben together and uh, doing that. I thought that was fantastic. We got to get them to do that again later in the season, I think. Yeah, no doubt. And like you said, you know, big thanks to them for coming out and putting that together for us. And uh, me and you, we'll be back here Thursday talking NFL football, right? Absolutely. All right, man. We'll see you guys Thursday. Thursday.